You are listening to Spire Sessions Podcast, proudly brought to you by Spire Research and Consulting. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Spire Sessions. These are a series of videos that we're bringing to you to talk about uh, the trends and the current happenings in the market. Uh, today, we have a very special guest with us, um, Don. Welcome to the show. Um, today, we're going to be talking about the food sector specifically. Uh, lately, we have seen uh, that there has been a lot of interest among Spire clients um, around food because we're seeing, you know, customer demand is changing the way that people are consuming food and the, the, the products that they're consuming are changing. We're seeing supply chain uh, has changed. Southeast Asia region in itself just over last year has continued to grow despite all the challenges we've seen, depending on the sectors, about, you know, four to 7% growth. Uh, across the region, um, and it's a sizable industry. It's, it's about half a trillion dollar industry here in Southeast Asia uh, it, itself. You know, so we thought we'll talk about what are some of the trends that we're seeing in this region. Um, very quickly, uh, I am Japneet. I should have said that in the beginning. Uh, I am Japneet. I am the deputy CEO of Spire. Uh, Spire is a customized market research solution provider, uh, as all of you know. And if you have been watching our videos, then we have been producing a series of videos around the food topic. Uh, so this is one of them. Uh, without further ado, Don, uh, welcome uh, to, to, to the show. Thank you so much for making the time. I will attempt to do a very quick um, introduction of, of, of you and Old Town, although, you know, that really doesn't need any introduction. Um, Don, you've been with Old Town White Coffee for about 10 years. Um, I came to know that you've uh, worn multiple hats. So you've done marketing communications, you've done operations, uh, you've done crisis management, you've done customer service, product development, and... Now you are uh, the CEO of um, Old Town White, White Coffee, F&B. Um, Old Town, for um, anybody who doesn't know, um, is what well, started off as uh, an instant mix beverage producer. It's really a household brand, at least in Singapore. I mean, that's, that's what we've got here in our cabinet. Uh, and then it's expanded into food service uh, with about 200 outlets across the region, you know, so Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, Cambodia, Myanmar, Australia, Hong Kong. So, you know, really, um, it, it's really a privilege to have you with that sort of a rich perspective on, on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you for so much for the invitation, Japneet. It's uh, quite a welcome respite. Uh, considering it's work from home for us <laughs> since the 1st of June. So it's always good to have somebody to talk to uh, externally. And thank you again for the very nice introduction to the brand. We've got a beautiful brand that started in the instant mix category. And we've got an equally strong heritage and an authentic brand going into the F&B business. So again, thank you very much for the time. Yeah. So I'll get the ball rolling um, just really to start off, Don, tell us a little bit about 
you know, what you're, what you're working on in old time right now, um, what's on your plate and where's, where's really the brand and the business going? Okay, so right now, because of the status of the pandemic in the country, the majority of the country is undergoing lockdown. Uh, this means effectively that we've lost our dining business once again. So we only have our delivery and takeaway segment. In saying that these segments are overperforming what they were doing last year at the time that we also had zero dine-in, and that was around April of 2020. So this is the second year that we are living with COVID hanging around us. And I think uh, the difference that we are making this year is the fact that we're a lot more prepared. So the minute we knew that the government was triggering a lockdown, it was all, all stations go kind of thing. So we, we just converted and moved away from the dining into the delivery takeaway, which also never really left. I'll give you an example of that. Before the pandemic, our delivery takeaway business contributed together about maybe 5% of the business. 95% of our business was based on dining because we are a fast casual restaurant to all intents and purposes, uh, specializing in Southeast Asian cuisine, in particular Kopitiam cuisine, which is very much a, a heritage item or heritage kind of cuisine that is uh, very familiar to people who are in Malaysia, Singapore, and Indonesia. Um, now, what has happened over the last two years is the fact that now, prior to the immediate lockdown that we're currently undergoing, we've got about 30% of the business that was coming in through delivery takeaway, and that became the additional sales that we had when the dining came back. So it was actually a very good time when we got the dining back at the end of last year, going into this year. Then, of course, everything collapsed again, like the souffle, when you slammed the oven door. And now we're back to delivery takeaway again. Uh, however, we are seeing that resilience come in in all the stores. Every store is delivering above their average unit value versus last year. And that amount is like something like 216% the last time I checked. Um, and that is good news. It means that the stores have come out stronger. Uh, in saying that, what we are working on right now are exploring our verticals because we are going back into the retail space, which is a space we are familiar with because that is our original brand DNA. We started in the instant mixed coffee category. And now what we've done is we're going to go back into the frozen retail category as well as the snacks category. So bringing our authentic cuisine to households in the form of ready-to-eat meals are uh, ready to dish meals also for the family. What about on the back end? You know, I mean, we, we heard a lot of supply chain disruptions, ingredients not coming in, I mean, especially on the imported product side. Was that a challenge for, for you as well? Well, not in the early stages. I think last year we were relatively unharmed. At the same time, we are looking for alternatives. So whenever we, we found that it's better to have more than one supplier for a particular product, uh, because it's always good to have a backup just in case anything happens. Uh, in saying that also, we, we have become tremendously resourceful <laughs> at looking <laughs> for suppliers uh, all over the place in order to try and ensure that there is not uh, any out-of-stock situations for the stores. Yeah. 
I think that's so been you, one takeaway yeah. for the whole industry. I, I when I speak yeah. to other food companies, more than one supplier, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Right. Let's talk about customers for, for for a minute. So, you know, of course, there has been a huge shift in terms of consumer behavior. Now, people are well eating at home, partially because of lack of choice, partially because we're seeing that shift as well. Um, mm-hmm. What would you say are some of the consumer trends that you're seeing around food, food consumption, food behavior? Mm, I am seeing quite a fair bit of subscription meals that are appearing, um, where I think subscription meals in the traditional sense was, in Singapore, you call it tingkat, tiffin carrier meals, right? Um and traditionally, you would get this from your corner shop and they would then supply you on a daily basis. I think during the pandemic, this has become even more uh, of a demand. And the trend for frozen ready-to-eat meals or chill ready-to-eat meals, which is also proliferated by the amount of convenience stores that have opened recently in the last two years, is crazy. The amount of convenience stores that have opened everywhere there are at least two different Korean brands that have set up in Malaysia in the last one year, on top of all the local convenience store me too. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm. And each of these brands... I'm seeing those here as well in Singapore, actually. A lot of them. So it's, I think the trend now is the fact that, look, it's all about convenience. It's not about they're not picky anymore they're not particular but i must have it fresh it's got to be made in front of me no i just need to get it so that i can go home and cook it or heat it up and and just eat it because i got to get back to my meeting right yeah and you know we see a lot of uh, talk around there's greater health consciousness there's I mean, sustainability has become like this buzzword. And one of the conversations that is a little bit mysterious, confusing, mysterious around sustainability is who's the steward. So is it the government that should take the biggest action? Is it corporates and companies like yourselves, or should it be the consumer? He should be making the right choices. You know um, what, what's your, What's your take on it? What are you saying? A, is it a real trend? Um, you know, is it as big as what everybody's saying? And how are you seeing it? Who's the steward? Who's leading this? And is that changing the way you offer food products? I think sustainability has to have an entire ecosystem that runs it. Otherwise, well, it's just not sustainable <laughs> if the ecosystem is not there. Uh, also, that there has to be a certain amount of awakening in the people itself, as in consumers uh, have to want it, right? Uh, and when there is a demand for it, then people begin to listen and corporates begin to take uh, notice of the fact that hey, people want it. They, they value sustainability. They value the story that if I use all recycled packaging or I make shoes out of plastic that I got from the sea, for example, you know, these are stories that, that drive consumer behavior and, and brand love in a way that they want to come back to a particular brand because it stands for something, right? We're running out of time. So I've got one last question for you. 
Um, we are talking about these customer trends and, you know, while Southeast Asia is a region, it's very diverse amongst the countries, I mean, just culture, food habits, even the stage of development. Yep. Um, how would you categorize what you're seeing in terms of customer trends amongst the different countries? How is Indonesia different from Malaysia, different from Singapore? Uh, in terms of consumer tastes, consumer behavior? I think in terms of the demographic profile of the countries, I think that is probably where you get the biggest differentiating factor. Indonesia, to me, uh, profile-wise and preference-wise, they are very aspirational. And I think they look up to Singapore a lot more than they would say look up to Malaysia. In fact, Indonesia and Malaysia is always a love-hate relationship somehow or other, whether it's football or the national anthem. We're always fighting about something. The same way Malaysia fights with Singapore over who owns chicken rice and bakute. But ultimately, it's a case of the different demographics and the different wealth levels in the country is the one that makes that huge difference in terms of whether you're catering to a mass market you've probably got a very a much bigger mass in Indonesia, but you will have to adjust your profile to suit culturally where you are. And Indonesia, to be fair, it's like having five different countries in one because different parts of Indonesia, depending on the islands that you go to, they have their own cultural nuances that are not the same as if you were to the city centre of Jakarta, for example, which is very metropolitan and probably resembles closer to Singapore, but also has a darker side because they do have a more suburban rural areas on the outskirts as well, which you don't see much of in Singapore. Singapore is metropolitan to the max. I think it is on the level with Hong Kong, for example, very, very overdeveloped, and they are still not done yet, right? Uh, Malaysia, you again have that disparity between whether it's a rural, urban, suburban area. It's very different. Um, I think the only thing that unites us is the love for food. Because in Southeast Asia, we love to eat and we eat all times of the day. And I think that is the hallmark of every Southeast Asian country. If you can eat from the morning till the night for 24 hours. Great. You know. I've learned so much. Uh, thank you so much for your time. I think that's, that's, that's all of my questions. It's been very, very enlightening. Uh, really, really appreciate it. And I wish you all the best. Please stay safe. Uh, all right. You're welcome. Thank you, Jamin. Take care. Stay safe. Bye-bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the Spire Sessions podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast feed. You can also check out our website, spireresearch.com or drop us an email at spire at spireresearch.com.